Today on the Freedom Cast, former Virginia attorney Ken Cuccinelli is here. We'll talk about the lawsuit FreedomWorks and Rand Paul have brought against the NSA, the government's thin legal ground to support their unconstitutional spy programs, and the Army for Liberty at Freepak, Kentucky. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and this is the April 23rd, 2014 edition of the Freedom Cast. Joining us now on the Freedom Cast, former Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli is here. Sir, thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure, Brad. Let's talk about the lawsuit you are doing with FreedomWorks and Rand Paul uh, against the NSA. What's what's going on there? Well, we filed a uh, class action lawsuit for their violations of the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment is the one that protects us all from, or supposedly protects us all from, searches and seizures of our information and our things from the government, and they're seizing all of our telephone data, pretty much everything except what you're saying on your phone call to the people you talk to. Every day they get a data dump of of the numbers you call, how long you spend talking to them, uh, a rough idea of your location uh, for that call, uh, and we believe that violates the Fourth Amendment. And that's what the lawsuit is about. Uh, we've, we're waiting in the next week. Um, I expect to receive from the federal government their motion to dismiss, as it's called. That will be their effort to try to kick the case out. And we will, uh, of course, respond to that. We're actually preparing now to respond to that because we have a decent idea of what they're going to say already. So we're, uh, why wait? Um, I would note for you that they are trying now to stop the case. They're trying to not just get us kicked out. We expected that. But they're trying to do what's called stay the case. They're trying to get the judge to stop the case from going forward uh, to wait on other cases uh, in the appellate courts. And we oppose that vehemently, and it's not an unusual tactic for the government to just try to just try to stop you in your tracks for any number of reasons. We'll see how that goes for them, but that motion is going to be flying around here soon, too. What's the history of uh, SCOTUS rulings in this, uh, in this area? What's, what, what, have they said anything that is easy for you to use, or is, there going to be, is it going to be a tough road? Well, the government, let's start with the other side. The government has utterly relied upon a case from the 1970s called Smith v. Maryland. And in that case, the Supreme Court said that where, it was a situation where police had put what's called a, a pen register uh, on the telephone company's system. So they didn't do it at Mr. Smith's house. They did it at AT&T's switchboard. And think about how phones worked in the 70s. It was direct switching. So they could just <laughs> put that pen register on his line where it met the phone system's uh, central 
I guess it was still a computer then, but the central switching station. And they could keep track of the phone numbers that old Mr. Smith called. And turns out Mr. Smith was a robber. And, uh, and he had called one of his robbery victims and harassed them afterwards. And by a variety of means, they found and arrested him. And he tried to suppress this evidence. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, uh, the phone company uh, generated this data. You didn't. It isn't yours to protect. You have no rights in it. And that any time you voluntarily give away information to a third party, in this case, the phone number that he dialed, he gave, as the Supreme Court saw it, he gave it to the phone company to complete his call. And then you have no Fourth Amendment protections, privacy protections, in such information. Now, two years ago, there was a case called Jones where five justices, uh, in two opinions written by Justices Sotomayor and Justice Alito, um, basically said that rule doesn't really work in the electronic age, uh, where telephones in 1979, when they tried that case, 91% of households had a telephone. Well, telephone meant landline. Now, 91% of adults have a cell phone that follows them around everywhere. And um, it's a very different situation. And at least one court has, including the judge we're in front of, though not in our case, has found that Smith v. Maryland doesn't apply. But the government is really stacking their whole case on this notion that, hey, you dial phone numbers, you give them to the phone company, you lose all privacy rights in that information, and so we can take whatever we want. And literally, they've been taking something close to hundreds of millions of phone numbers worth of data every day. That probably means everybody listening to you for seven and a half years. And they search it when they uh, are so inclined uh, to try and find terrorists, and we all agree fighting terrorism is very important. But at least our side of the case also believes the Bill of Rights is very important, too, and that they could at least do the same searches but on a particularized basis with a warrant. Go, go to the court. Tell them the information you have about a number. Trace it down. We don't have any problem with that. Our problem is the fact that they're literally scooping up everybody in this country's phone data. Like I said, everything but the contents of their call, what they're saying. And, um, and gathering that into a, one gargantuan database and searching it several hundred times a year. The, these cases are not just about the legal arguments. They're also about sort of the public pressure that they create. What kind of public pressure do you think this case is going to exert on the administration and the whole uh, spying community in some sense there? Well, it isn't just the administration. It's Congress as well. I mean, this, the statutory authority, the so-called statutory authority for this um, exercise by the executive branch runs out in June of 2015. So if Congress doesn't reauthorize it in a year and a half, and well, not even a year and a half anymore, in 15 months, uh, in theory it would end. My problem with that is that it was going on before that statute, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the sections of the Patriot Act, 
existed. The Bush administration was doing this or something like it without that statutory authority. So I don't know why they, you know, they, they basically make up excuses to do this, in my view. And it's very important to have a court rule on this so that we know whether or not certainly what I think most Americans think is private can be protected from the government. Now, we mentioned, you mentioned, and I think everybody can agree, fighting terrorism, good thing. This, probably not. But has it gotten to the point in this country where um, the government can use, you know, quote, in the name of national security as a means to do just about anything, including these searches that that uh, these illegal searches? Has it well, gotten to the point? Brad, they're certainly arguing that. And, um, uh, you know, I saw a quote and I won't comment on it, but I saw a quote by Justice Scalia on this very subject recently about the NSA and saying, well, you know, how do we know what they're looking for? And, you know, I think it's, thankfully, he wasn't one of the five justices in the Jones case two years ago. Nonetheless, uh, to, to hear a Supreme Court justice say that is, is concerning um, because that rationale, the security at any cost, no matter what it does to liberty, um, is, is frankly central to the other side's argument. Uh, they will argue, well, yeah, we've broken every rule and constitutional provision, but but there's a special case here to allow us to do that. I mean, they they actually argue what's called special needs, um, that is pretty much along the lines that you described. Though they would pretty it up a lot. So what what happens? Let's let's uh, look into the crystal ball. Best case scenario: if you win this case, what changes? Uh, well, a couple of things change. First of all, they stop collecting all of our telephone data. Uh, second of all, they purge their database of all of the years and years of collected data from each of us. Uh, and more importantly, going forward, they are under no illusions that they can just go gather up, literally go get secret court orders to gather information from from third parties about you and about me and about every American with no suspicion that we've done anything wrong. Again, this comes back to it is important to fight terrorism. But to fight terrorism, you've got to actually, uh, in the law enforcement arena, you've got to be pursuing something that has some potential to lead to, to malefactors, to bad guys. And, uh, and, and the problem with this program and the PRISM program they were doing for email until a couple of years ago is that it they're gathering all this information on the front end with the notion that, well, we'll search it all after the fact so that when we do discover some phone number associated with a terrorist, we have five years of data we can go back and search. Well, that isn't the way this works. It certainly did not work this way when the Fourth Amendment was ratified in 1791. In 1791, the federal government literally did none, none, zero, zilch, nada, sort of affirmative uh, preparing for breaking of the law. They were reactive. Now, I'm not arguing that the government has to be completely reactive in terms of fighting terrorism by any means, but they can't just violate the Fourth Amendment at will as they gather up information and data that they think will be useful and efficient for them. I would note for you 
that in one of these cases, Democrat senators uh, Allard and Wyden from Colorado and Oregon, respectively, who are on the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, who get uh, secret briefings on all of this, have filed amicus briefs saying this has done nothing to stop terrorism that wasn't otherwise available. They, they basically have gone to court against the NSA and said these claims of how important this program are are completely vitiated by the actual information they've shared with us. Now, they don't tell you what that information is because obviously those are done in secret hearings. And, and, um, but they do come out and say our assessment is we have yet to see an example where this program has stopped terrorism was critical to stopping terrorism. So even on the side of arguing efficacy and efficiency, the government has very serious problems. And it's interesting if you look back at what they said to the secret courts, the FISC courts, um, back in 2006 when this program started versus what they say today. Back then they said, you know, we can't stop terrorism without it. Uh, it, it it's, the world will end if we don't have this program, so give us the authority, secret court, where there's no one arguing the other side. And uh, <laughs> now that it's public, they say things like, well, this is a useful tool. Well, that's quite a step down from the world will end, isn't it? And, uh, and but, but now they know... Everybody's listening. You know, they were saying that, and let's be candid. They were lying. Our government has lied under oath about this program repeatedly before Congress and before courts. Repeatedly. And that has to influence how the courts consider everything the government does in this arena. Um, and, and let's face it. Integrity is something that you don't easily get back. And that's a big problem for the government in this case. They cannot come forward and say, trust us. Let's go out on this. You spoke at FreePAC Kentucky a few weeks ago. Uh, tell me how that went. Oh, well, it was a great crowd. I was really impressed. I think with like two weeks' notice, they had about 2,000 people there or something. Uh, really enthusiastic, really mixed crowd. It's really neat to look out there and see young people, old people, black people, white people. And um, and all have this real uh, focus and, and passion for liberty, and uh, and I really appreciate that. It gives me hope in this country when I see a lot of things that might uh, make one despondent about our our future. Um, we really need to get back to a smaller government, liberty focused mentality as a country. And and your government doesn't get there until your people get there. And I think this NSA case can play a role in that. To your point. It, it, it's so shocking to people to learn some of what their government is doing that it can wake them up. It can start to change how they vote. It can start to change what they ask people who want their vote. And that, in turn, changes what they do when they get elected. So uh, I think we're having a real impact. It's one of those things that's hard to measure in the short term. But um, I, I'm, I'm confident first of all, that we're going to have some wins along the way. One of these cases is going to the Supreme Court, I'm sure. I don't know which one, of course, but um, I think it's very important that we vindicate 
the Bill of Rights in this in this case, and uh, and that's what our that's our goal. I think uh, the founders would be proud of what we're doing here, and we're on the we're on the side of the Liberty Angels in this case. Former Virginia Attorney General Ken Cuccinelli, sir, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Brad, great to be with you.